This is Film Center, your number one show for real entertainment industry news. No fluff, all facts. Now, here are your anchors, Derek Johnson II and Nicholas Killian. I'm Nicholas Killian. And what are we going to do today, Nicholas? We are introducing a very special guest today. Could you please introduce yourself? Oh, hi. My name is Arielle Freeman. I've never and really done this before. <laughs> no. You're all good. good. It's all good. So, so, well, so what do you do, Arielle? I'm a production coordinator at DreamWorks. What does that mean? Oh, so basically production coordinator helps with the logistics of an animated TV show and basically we help the artists make sure they have everything they need and are able to get everything in on time and also we give them, we, we cheer them on when they need it, that kind of thing. The moral support. Yeah, moral that support. too. <laughs> like, moral support is important, especially for our artists and, and other creatives. Because you have such, a lot of artists have such imposter syndrome. So it's important to tell them, like, yeah, no, hey, listen, it's all good. Just you know, you're already hired here, right? We wouldn't have <laughs> like you can't no, do what you. It's more hired. just I don't know, just a, just a way to explain. But like, really, our artists just amazing. Every artist I've ever met in this industry is just incredible, and I'm just man, I'm just so lucky to be able to like just be around their artwork and just be able to like see them work and see what they make. It's just incredible. As you guys know, Film Center News is on the road, and we are at Westlake again. Yeah, Westlake. Yeah, we, we're at Westlake once again. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about where you're from? You're not from L.A. I'm not. No, you can tell by the accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm from uh, Highland Park, Illinois, which is a little Shout bit Shout out to Chicago. Illinois. Shout out Illinois. Yeah. Illinois. This is, you finally succeeded. You got on the map because got someone's on. out here. Great job. <laughs> There's a few other ways to show this uh, are on the map. If you've ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Mean Girls, that's also Chicago area. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. In, in Chi-Town, you also have Kanye. Yeah, uh, but all them pale, pale in comparison. And Obama, actually, yeah. <laughs> but don't forget all that. We have some. We have a different Illinois in here. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yes. Do you work in an animation? You work in the animation uh, industry. Yes. Yeah. Were you always interested in, in animation? Yes, actually. Growing up, I grew up watching like, Saturday morning cartoons. A big favorite in my family was Bugs Bunny cartoons. I was a very stubborn kid, and if it wasn't a Bugs Bunny cartoon, that TV was going off. Really? I, yeah. Really? You, I, were, you were that picky about it. I was very picky. Cause if you've ever watched Bugs Bunny cartoons, he is he's the hero. He is a very fun, goofy character, but he, at least when he's directed by like, Chuck Jones, for example. Chuck Jones is a master. Oh, incredible. Such a master. He, he would always... Well, he would always have Bugs Bunny reacting to someone starting the fight. His famous saying, of course you realize this means war. Yeah. Like, it would always right. come from like a Chuck Jones episode. And I, he always felt like a hero to me. So I refused to watch episodes where he lost and I refused to watch episodes he wasn't there. This kind so, of, of course, such an amazing character. He's perfected over 80 years of people working with the character to make him feel like the one that we know and love and care about. And it was such a big part of my family. My family, I, I grew up at, with a um, relatively observant Jewish household, and we'd go to synagogue every week, and my dad would wear a Bugs Bunny tie. That's nice. Yeah. That's, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so then what made you say, oh, I'm interested in animation. I think I might go further in this. Did you originally go to college for animation? or? I did, actually. I went to Columbia College Chicago. It's an art school in Chicago. Are it's your parents are supportive of you going to... For animation? That's actually an interesting story. So actually, I've always been interested in animation. It's not just Bugs Bunny. That was just like the first time I noticed. I love Disney movies, love them, love Little Mermaid, Mulan were probably my favorites. And I think one of the movies that really inspired me was Prince of Egypt. It's just oh my every... God, it's so, so One of the good. best 
And I will. I, I, I think behind it where they say if you got in trouble on Prince of Egypt, you had to go work on Shrek. <laughs> yeah, I did hear about that. But like with Prince of Egypt, I think one of the things about it is I, every time I see it, there's something new I love about it. Like the most recent time I watched it was last year on the DreamWorks campus, which oh my god was magical. It was amazing because people worked with the people that worked on it so every time their names came up you saw you heard clapping it was just an incredible experience and that time when I was watching I noticed how little dialogue was actually in the movie and it was mostly just like acting and boarding just masterful I I don't think I've ever seen another movie that has come out of America that has really had an impact like Prince of Egypt it's such an interesting genre because it's Christian Christian, well, technically Jewish. They, they but had it, but consultants. It's, but it's religious, I should say. They had consultants from religious leadership of a Christian, Muslim, and Jewish organizations. Yeah, order- but it's religious in general. Well, I feel and like... And so I don't... There's not a whole bunch of stories that are told, especially nowadays, that are even anywhere close to the way it's done in that genre. I feel like uh, one of the things about watching is I have a tough time watching it with my parents because my mom likes to point out all the inaccuracies to the actual story. However, I feel like the thing about it that really just makes it universal is that it takes bits and pieces from each of the tellings and makes it into a strong, coherent story of its own. So they really push like the brotherly relationships between Moses and Ramses, and they just push the arc so you can see beginning, middle, and end for all the characters. And I think that just makes it even more incredible because you're able to be inspired by the original story and create something new from it. I definitely understand there's a lot of inaccuracies. It's not completely exactly the yeah, same as not the Exodus story. But, but it's just, it, it's, you can tell the inspiration, you can tell the love for the original source material. Plus the cast. Incredible, just... yes. Incredible. Uh, Val Kilmer took it very seriously. Uh, I I read that he did method acting for it, but I'm not completely sure, so don't quote me on that. (laughs) So going back to your parents, what what is the, you said that was an interesting story about getting into animation. Oh, yeah. I didn't really know that I actually wanted to pursue animation until watching Avatar The Last Airbender, because that was the first show where I realized that an animated TV show could be something other than comedic and can really teach you. It's a great show. So good. On so many different levels. Man, Zuko's story just made me realize that when a bully was mean to you or something, like going back to mundane human life, when a bully was mean to you, they probably had something going on with them. With Zuko's story, he learned his entire life about how the Fire Nation was trying to share his greatness, how he believed that they were doing the right thing, and then he had to learn on his own. No one could tell him, no one could force him that what he was doing was wrong. One of the greatest redemption arcs Period. Exactly, because Period. it was genuine. Because right. it, it took was... 50 episodes. It wasn't super fast. And... <laughs> that was super fast. Oh, excuse me. there, DJ? It teaches kids that you got to give people patience to maybe learn that something that they're doing is wrong and give them the support like Uncle Iroh did to Zuko to give them the opportunity to grow from something that they might have done in the past to be able to understand that it was wrong and be able to become better on their own. Before we get too deep into, oh, sorry, into this conversation. Oh, sorry, come back to it. <laughs> my this, family... So if you're listening, this is obviously something she's very passionate about. My my parents are very aware of their kids, their likes and dislikes and stuff. And one thing that I didn't know until I was ready to graduate high school was when we had a trip to Disney World when I was around six. And that was right before the animation studio over in Florida was finished. Like, they were... They lost funding and had to close. Yeah, and, they, and then they really close was moved, the word I was Disney for. moved more towards Pixar 
exactly. Right, so they was closing animation. down. I believe it was like they were working on like maybe Lilo and Stitch. Maybe I can't remember. But another um, another classic though. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I be- we had a tour to see the animators work and found out later that my dad was talking to one of the animators and they gave him a pencil to give to me because he knew that I wanted to get into animation. I was six. That's so, so cool. So that's when he gave me the pencil because I was telling him, I think it was maybe my junior, senior year, that I wanted to get into animation and that I wanted to start working my portfolio and really getting serious about it. And he gave me the pencil and told me the story and I still have it. They so. were very supportive. Very supportive. That's so great yeah. to hear. We very rarely hear supportive stories. That is great phenomenal. juxtaposition. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Both Nicholas and I have already told our horror stories. So it's really great to hear that someone's being supportive of what you wanted to do. After, so when you went to college, how did you end up out here in Los Angeles? Oh, that's another fun story. I felt that when I was getting ready to graduate college that my portfolio wasn't exactly where it needed to be. I actually had this amazing teacher, Julian Grant, who taught this class business of animated content. And I, he also taught another one that was like portfolio development for animation. And in both those classes, he really pushed networking. He pushed to meet people in the industry, reach out to them with emailing, with cold calling, with cold emailing, with basically just find a way to talk to people in the industry and learn from them and gain mentorship um, and just like just just meet as many people as possible. And especially when you're first starting out, and we've said this before, it's important that you get those experiences and that everything is about money up front when you're first starting to learn. Experience is more valuable than money up front. With animation, they go by this, like I heard this, I should probably continue. So yeah, so when I graduated, my parents pushed me out of the house. They're like, just get started already. Just go out there and start talking to people. Out the bird's nest. Exactly, because my parents, they both have like MBAs, so they they learn networking basically like second nature. What What do your parents do? So my mom, she did marketing for global marketing for mostly dental companies. Marketing means networking expert. (laughs) (laughs) Getting that job means networking expert, but marketing means people expert. At least that's how I see it. Then my father, he had many different jobs, but he did mostly internet marketing in the beginning, and then he started his own dog food business, which is incredible. Do you guys have a dog? We do, actually. Oh, cool. He's a little (laughs) Bichon poodle mix named Jazz. He's a grumpy little guy, and I love him. Then my dad uh, recently got got into his newest career, which is he's a financial advisor at Goldman Sachs. So basically, uh, yeah. (laughs) That's quite the flex. Oh, yeah. He started. uh, Yeah. That that one is just, I'm just, he's my hero. So being able to like change direction in your career so many times and just doing it with and being able to keep up with all the youngins. He just, it it really teaches you that you can do anything. How did he get the job at Goldman Sachs? Oh, that one also with networking. We had some family friends that like were financial advisors as well. And they, I believe he, I, you'd have to talk to him about the story, but he had to, but they like, he did informational interviews with them, I believe. I don't know. Uh, He's going to have to tell you. (laughs) What networking skills did you usually, what networking skills did you say that you really leaned on? I so when I first moved out here it was around like late 2018 early 2019 and I just hit the ground running. I got you said late 2018 early 2019. Yes. That's when I got here. Hey. Hey. hey, hey, hey. We're practically neighbors. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. When I got out here I just like started immediately trying to get some kind of income so I started teaching swimming at the local JCC did that for a little while and then found something that was like a little bit easier to manage, which was private swim lessons in West LA with a company called Head Above Water. It's basically just like 
with that, it gave me the freedom to take my weeks and use them for networking. So what I did was I would go to networking events, meet people, then schedule coffee chats throughout the week where it, I would basically go to one place to meet one person, then go to another place to meet another person. And that was my day for a couple months Hollywood there. runs on coffee meets, yeah. lunches, yep. dinners. I, in the South, we... More people play golf to do a lot of their networking, yeah, back. but over here in L.A., it's oh, the coffee. The interesting thing is I actually not really much of a coffee drinker. I'm more of a tea person. So How did you survive? I don't know. It was, like, it was touch and go for a little while there. Each new person I met gave me some new advice and some new understanding of their experiences in the industry and everyone had a different story no one went into the industry in the same way and that was just incredible to be able to see that and they all said the same thing pay it forward Mm -hmm. like this industry runs on basically kindness from others and being able to give that kindness to another person who's looking for it and I just I was in awe with how many people were just willing and excited to just help out the next generation get to where they wanted to go and I just I found that incredible I ended up networking like this for a few months it was getting it was getting tough I was I wasn't working as much as I needed to still keep rent and everything but it Rent here is high. Of course it is exactly but I was cold emailing and basically if for anyone who wants to know, cold emailing is essentially you find names of people who've worked on things you wanted to work on that you wanted to work on that you like that you respect that you want to like understand their stories, and you reach out to them through email, and to basically just try to find a way to just talk to them. And keep in mind, networking is about making friends. You're learning about new people. You're um, asking for help. You're learning about their experiences because learning is the most important thing when getting into this industry. It's very off-putting when someone says, oh, give me something from the jump. Yeah, you know and you know what? Why don't you become, try to become their friend? And keep in mind, these people are good people. And if they could, they would give you a job. They really would. But it's they also, the best thing they can do is just give you their story. And that is always great for when you're just starting out because uh, you can learn from their experiences. So in this case, I cold email, I sent maybe like 10 emails a day, give or take, to different people in the industry, and I rarely got a response because life is crazy, and people do the best they can, and sometimes an email falls through the cracks, and that's okay. And keep in mind, if you guys, if anybody listening to this is getting started in the industry and going out on their own and networking, if somebody doesn't respond or somebody responds and takes a while to respond again, don't, it's never on you. Life is just tough, and people have important responsibilities that they have in their own life. So never blame yourself. Just keep going and keep trying and keep talking to new people. And sometimes you need to send a reminder. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I emailed you two months ago. How are you? Yeah. You know, also just like, yeah, checking on them. The, if they give you their time, they're giving you a great treasure because people can't get time back. So please take it with you and be able to pay it forward when someone asks for your help. In this case, one of the people I cold emailed it was Tobias Trust, who worked on things like Gravity Falls. Shout out to Tobias. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Young Justice. And he gave me my first shot. I was interviewing with other companies for a while, actually. And I got an interview with him, and they gave me an opportunity on the show Final Space for season two. Incredible show. Please watch it if you can. It's so good, so fun, and I'm just so lucky to be able to so have that opportunity. as an artist, people have different art styles that, they're, that they favor. Is there any art styles that you can think of from some show or something like, man, I love the way that this is drawn? Oh, man, Avatar Last Airbender holds a special place in my heart. I'm a sucker for, like, anime style. I'm a sucker for just the emotions that it gives and like the storytelling that it allows. I just, I love it. 
Um, and it just, but I learned to see like different art styles and see what went into them and just learn to love those as well. But Avatar will, will always hold a special place in my heart. Speaking of Avatar, we've had yeah. previous guests <laughs> What is it Avatar. about Avatar that holds such a special place in your heart? I, I think I got into a little bit with Zuko's storyline. It was the first time like where, as a kid, I noticed that a- animation can tell darker storylines and like life lessons. And it gets into some really interesting ideas like it gets into um, government corruption it gets into um there's right nothing going morality. on in bossing say exactly <laughs> that's, that's not the line what is the line it's like there's nothing there is no war in bossing say that's what it is <laughs> that's what it is yeah. yeah and it just as a kid like i think i was 10 when i started watching after our last airbender i would watch with my brothers i have two brothers so older and younger and we rarely agree you're, you're the watch. middle child though. i am yeah i give off that energy classic <laughs> middle child classic <laughs> middle child me and nicholas are both the oldest the oldest I know how you feel, but I also know how the youngest feels. So you see, were you like a mediator in the house or you were like, no, no, I was you also were the, the instigator. No. She's also, you also the only girl. I was also the only girl. So it was a little bit different dynamic. But point is, Avatar was one of the shows we would always watch together and we'd always love to watch together. So it also holds a special place in my heart because it was a way for me to bond with my brothers and I will always like enjoy that. Like even in college when Legend of Korra was out, my brother would reach out being like, did you see the new Avatar uh, Legend of Korra episode? And I would be like, oh yay, he's reaching out about something. This is great. So what is your, uh, so you know Netflix is live action. It's going to come out uh, pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, uh, a lot of people are wary of what it might look like. Some of the shots, they look okay, but it's hard to judge something from a picture. And then, once again, we cannot ignore the previous live-action attempt of Avatar Last Amateur that's been banished to other live-actions, right. such as Dragon Ball Z Evolution. I don't know what certain, you're talking about. It doesn't certain, exist. <laughs> right. There is no movie in Bossing City. There is no movie in Bossing City, exactly. <laughs> From what I've heard and seen, they've done really well with One Piece, and they've done really well with Yu Hakusho. With those two successes, and those being animes as well... Success meaning they were rated highly. What do you... Does that give you more hope that this time around, the live-action Avatar will do better? Because just because it's Netflix, I mean, they did mess up that Death Note pretty bad. And Death Note is mostly dialogue, so I don't even know how they failed that. So I think they actually... I think Cowboy Bebop was... It needed to happen so they can learn their lesson. Oh um, my gosh, I totally yeah. forgot about Cowboy Bebop. They messed up that one too. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Cowboy Bebop was panned when, in its release, and the original creator was barely involved. I think was mostly involved with music. I can't remember, but it was not good. And please don't time. Don't like I said, it. you can't get back. Just keep that in mind. But with One Piece, I feel like that proved that they learned their lesson because I'm a huge One Piece fan. I love One Piece. Didn't they say they they worked a lot really close with the creator for it? Yeah. yeah, Imagine that. Work closely with the person who created the show (laughs) and you'll get a good show. Yes, yes, I'm a huge fan of One Piece. I've seen every episode. I'm caught up completely with the manga. I, I know where the story's going to go. And oh, you listening, that really is great. impressive. There's over a thousand episodes, actually. I've been up to date since I was in high school, so it's oh, easier a to temporal you know. advantage. Yeah. You have to go back in time to keep up with her. If there's another pandemic, you have something to do for a little while. 
Uh, God forbid. With the One Piece live action, I watched it and I was like, wow. It retains the like whimsy and wonder that the original had. The casting was perfect. I don't think they could have gotten better people for each character. God and Luffy was incredible. He had the same energy. He was warm. He was welcoming. And he just, you can just see the passion ooze from this character that everyone fell in love with from the original animated show. So, Props Netflix, great job on One Piece. So you, it, we can confirm that you do the live action One Piece. I do, yes. <laughs> so what do they have to do in the Avatar, the anime, uh, Avatar uh, live action for you to get someone like you to get the same reaction? I think is they just need to love the original and just want to do right by the fans, which is what they did with One Piece. They were very, like, from what I've heard from friends that, used to work at Netflix. They worked very Here close. in Los Angeles, we do sign NDAs, once right. again. But people, our, our audience knows that, but we can't talk about everything. Yeah. <laughs> so from what I've heard, the showrunner of the live-action One Piece is, was, is a huge fan of One Piece himself and basically can name what scene, what chapter, what happened in each one and just is a, an encyclopedia. Exactly. And the cast is also a big fan. Nami just loves the uh, the woman playing Nami just loves the character and just cares about the character so that's just an example so they also worked very closely with Oda Ichiro Oda who is the creator of One Piece and just an amazing writer and just incredible writer so they were able to like check in with him to make sure that the storylines they were going with and things they cut for time of course were okay with him as they move forward although I don't know all the details because I didn't work on it but um, that's what I hope they were able to do with with Avatar because I think that the closest thing you can get without the creators because it, famously the creators left in I think 2019 as the show was being developed. I don't know what went on with that. There's but. always that always gives me uh, it always makes me nervous when you hear that the creators have left. Not that they were removed, but they themselves decided to leave because of some reason. For that reason, I don't really know. But who do you think is going to be who, what I say, is your favorite Avatar character? Zuko, for 100%. Zuko. So, it is, so it is Zuko. I'm a sucker for redemption arcs. I just, like, I love the, the philosophical side and morality side when it comes to that. I, with him, with his character, he was just, you can tell how lost he was. You can tell that he was a good person at his core. He just grew up with such negative ideas that it pushed him in in an evil direction and he was just given the opportunity to show that his capacity for good outweighed his capacity for evil and I think that's something that everyone can learn and everyone can grow from it's like people have the ability to change and have the ability to adapt and become better and I want to think that growing up seeing that character being able to learn from his mistakes and become better and be accepted by the people that he wronged it is really incredible for someone who's just like growing up and Seeing the negative sides of school, like grade school, middle school, high school, people are bullies. People are mean. The scene that really resonates with me in Avatar, we're talking about Zuko. Oh yes, I can talk about Zuko the, for hours. <laughs> is the one with so where he finds the bite, where he finds the, their bison, right? And Iroh goes, "Who do you want to be?" And he's like, "I know my destiny, Uncle. Is it your destiny, or is it destiny that someone has put on you?" Mm-hmm. And that is. I remember watching that and being like, oh my gosh, just just straight up chills. Because it, it does strike a huge core. And one of the things that people really like about the live action One Piece is that the writing is still there because of because its core is there. Right? Oh, yes, yeah, some quotes are directly from the manga itself. Like Hawkeye's mm-hmm. quote, I don't hunt rabbits with a cannon. 
Yes. Yeah. So then it's. I think that if they try, if they don't have that core, the core of the characters in the live action Avatar, it's going to go down. The reaction is going to be really bad. <sighs> Gosh, well, if they, if they the mess thing. it up, it's going to be a horrible reaction. I'm I'm going in with a, like some semblance of hope because I do believe One Piece was is probably the thing that's given me that hope because One Piece was like they did such a good job with One Piece they understand what's at stake and they understand who they need to make this for they need to make this for the fan base of the original who want to watch with their kids and want to watch it with a different medium and see if the story is able to work well in that medium and I have I'm a little curious I'm curious to see how they do it and technology is better it is but I also think that they're going to take it seriously and the trailers have been pretty solid and it's really like showing like bits and pieces of things that we remember from the original cartoon although I do think the cartoon can't be beat the original is just incredible and they just something I worry about is the lighting because especially we have fire it's just it's so easy to animate beautiful not easy but it's animated fire looks better a lot of times when it comes to lighting than actual fire because when you're using cameras you have your white balance and you have that light source right so then the camera wants to compensate for that and i honestly some fire is usually something that's pretty hard to capture is Mm -hmm. that is that a worry for you or you think they're just going to cgi all the fire they're obviously going to cgi some of it but i would like to see some real fire honestly if the story's there and the characters are there acted and still hitting as the original did i think the effects will if it if they're not that bad they could probably be like add a certain kind of character to the show if i've been rewatching a lot of older tv shows and like one of them is Buffy the vampire slayer and with that show it's got really bad effects but i feel like that kind of gives it a little <laughs> bit of that charm you think it you well, think but it's that... dated though people watch it oh knowing it's incredibly that it's dated, dated but right. i think but they talk about the effects alone or the it's just i feel like even though effects can be a detriment, sometimes it can be very charming, even mm-hmm. if it's not exactly perfect. So as long as you care about the characters. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, what I'm saying is I'm not super worried about that because I think if the writing's there and the characters are there, it's gonna just be a fun watch. You think it's gonna give it a piece of charm that we would have never thought of before? Yeah, so that's possible. I, like I said, I've never, I don't know what to expect, but I'm going in to expect it to be fun. With the One Piece live action show, the rubber powers that Luffy has is not, it's, they're doing the best they can. And it does give it a little bit of charm, especially how they have to maneuver through their, the difficulty that it gives. I think that was a really smart choice. And they are really pushing with practical effects in that show, if you've noticed. Like, I, a lot of the ships are I real. I like, loved that so part of it. So great. To me, personally, that's what made that show work for me, is that they were like, all right, if we're going to do it live action, we're, it's live action. You know what I'm saying? I, there are so many instances where I was watching the live action One Piece, and I was like, if this was CGI, I don't think I would have liked it as much in certain parts. Right. And the fact that you see them try to push for the practicals also shows the amount of love they have for it. Exactly. And I think that also gives it a lot of charm. Like, it's the campy adventure story. They should have engineered a real flying bison. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it's the campy adventure story that we fell in love with when we were kids growing up with some of this, like, not exact great special effects stuff. Like, it's, I grew up 
watching the 1960s Batman live action show. It's so campy. <laughs> With the drawn eyebrows. Oh yeah. man, it's I love it so much because it's just it's so campy and just so all over the place, but it's just fun and you don't you have to like really think about it. It's just like an enjoyable it's an enjoyable show, but it's just like, you also have like, Batman like drinking orange juice and, it's, and having so, shark repellent. But that goes oh, back God, to, shark to loving the character and loving right. the execution of it. But it's a different version of the character, so it's actually my favorite superhero of all time, and I think that probably the best version of him is Batman the Animated Series, but I can gain some enjoyment from the 1960s one because it's got its own style, and it's like a unique take, and it's still, you can still tell there's some kind of, it's just a different take on the character, but Batman the Animated Series, perfect iteration. One thing that I would ask you is, do you think nowadays audiences are more forgiving and understandable more so than they were in the past? So I feel like with the fan base, I've seen a lot of forgiveness come out of them in certain cases. They just want their favorite characters that have given them so much joy. They just want them to be portrayed just well. They just want to see love for the characters. They want to see excitement for the characters from the people who are working with them. And that's all they want. That's all they want to see. And I feel like with One Piece, you can see that. Um, with the live action, you can see there's care, you can see there's love, you can see they're trying their best to honor what gave so many people so much joy. And and I feel like if we're given that with characters that have give, have had a tough go about it, as of recently, I see that you're going to be surprised with how the fan base reacts and how they can be very forgiving. They just want to see the thing they love so much that has maybe connected them to their spouse or their children in ways that people don't understand. I grew up watching Star Wars, for example, with my dad, and it's just... I grew up watching the prequels with my brother, and I love the prequels because of that, because it gave, gave me such great memories of that spending time with my family. experience that you had with your family. Exactly. Yeah. So when I see people insult the prequels, and most I can forgive that, of course, with the fan base, because they want so badly to see what they love, but when it comes to the shows insulting the prequels, and just like, hey now, Like, this what's is, going on with this? Yeah. Yeah, this has given a lot of people a lot of joy. Look at Star Wars Clone Wars. Amazing show. Oh, amazing oh, great, show. Great show. Yeah. So, thank you so much for coming on to the show and, and speaking with us. Absolutely. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Is there anything that you want to... Uh, is there anywhere people can follow you or some things you want to shout out? Oh. Oh, my. Follow me? No. <laughs> I, man, social media is a scary place, but... <laughs> um, uh, I don't know check out some of the shows I've worked on. I don't know. You put shows like? I worked on Final Space season two, but season three is great and season one's great. Please watch. I worked on The Simpsons, of course. Watch it. It's that's great. Simpsons is also, also really great. awesome. Oh, yeah. Such a great show. Please watch. It's so great. I uh, won an Emmy this year. Yay, go Simpsons. Yeah. I And I'm currently working on an animated preschool show called Gabby's Dollhouse. So incredible. If you have little kids or if you have family that's little kids, they will love it. It's so fun. They'll learn something new. You'll enjoy it. Check it out. Super fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Guys, this has been Film Center News. My name's Derek Johnson II. I'm Nicholas Killian. And we're here with... Ariel Freeman. And we'll see you next time. See y'all. This has been Film Center on Comic-Con Radio. Check out our previous episodes at filmcenternews.com. Sign up for our newsletter and get the Hollywood trade straight to you. You can follow the show at Film Center News on all major platforms. 
Tune in next week for a fresh update. Until next time, this has been Film Center. Hey, do you like anime and manga? Nick and I are big fans of the genre. Yeah, we recently discovered a manga named Tamashi. It's written and created by Ryan McCarthy, and it recently just came out with its 10th volume. Now, Tamashi is an isekai about a girl who gets transported to another world called the Ancient Lands. She gains mysterious powers and must fight demons and monsters to find her way home. Check it out on Amazon, Blurp, and get a physical copy at ryanmccarthyproductions.com.